everybody, welcome to the No Rights Podcast. I'm your host, Ben, a.k.a. No Rights, a.k.a. that one handsome guy. So anyway, I'd like, like no to welcome everybody. No one ever says that. Well, they will now. <laughs> I told them. So I'd like, to welcome, I'd like to welcome everybody to the show. My, my co-host, as per usual, my good buddy, Ian. How you doing, Ian? Shot of Soko. Mm-hmm. Also joining us, as per usual, my twin brother and arch nemesis, Franklin. And of course, no. the most important guest on the show, joining us until she decides to misbehave, I can't hope. How you doing? Hi, little Hopi. She's she's burned, so uh, we'll Aww. see how long that lasts. She's also she likes me. she's also shedding fur all over the the air, so. Well, I didn't know your cat's name is Hopes. It, so like, when she goes, like, does that mean there's gonna be no hope? Yeah, that's that's not funny. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I've had people tell me if if I get another cat, I should name it Faith. I'm like, eh, I don't know. That's. But you gotta have faith, 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 faith. Okay, you gotta shine so... like a diamond. That's a totally different song. I know. I just thought I'd add it in there. Got a YMCA. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you guys so, are ruining it. You're making it awkward. Oh, we made it awkward. Now. Oh, now you're uncomfortable. So, mm-hmm. anyway, Franklin, uh, why, why don't you start off by telling us what you've been up to since the last episode? Uh, well, not a whole lot. Just uh, working and uh, I hope <laughs> and uh, playing video games. Uh, went to GameStop recently. Oh, I'm video sorry. games. Yeah, well, well, I uh, wanted. My, I've been talking about Fallout a lot, and uh, my father-in-law. You know, I keep telling him because you can build and modify guns in it, and he's a gun nut. So, <laughs> so as a as a surprise for Father's Day, I picked him up uh, a couple copies of Fallout, and uh, <clears throat> for three sixty because he's got a three sixty, and uh, I picked up a Fallout lunchbox for me. And uh, well, they're they're like, you want to get a free. Uh, hard with us, he'll save you money and you get points and you get stuff I'm like eh, fuck it, it's pretty sure one. I gotta register that shit yet. You want you want a strategy guide? And then you can pre-order and and then I'm, I am gonna buy a strategy guide though, because they, they got one that's sweet. <laughs> okay, well I'm glad you, you're having fun. There, there, um, how about, how about you, Ian? Uh, last time we chatted you were, you know, after the show you were gonna go hang out with your girlfriend and, uh, do some meat slapping. That's not... <laughs> Frank, no. no. No, that's not what we talk about on this show. Last time... Last time you said you dabbled in some modeling and some stuff and that you were working on that that camera mount, I think it was. Frank's like, it's butts... Nuts to butts. Okay, both you guys. The cat and I will will take over this show and we'll put it in a... In a ow! Ow! And the cat says, I'm not having any of that. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have a question for Frank, though, first. What? Oh, no. Why do you? Why are you getting the strategy guides when you got YouTube, man? Well, <clears throat> you got you know, to paper. You like the feeling on your fingers of the paper. The well, smell. every so often, every so often, you know, the internet goes out. And you need um, something to read on the crapper. No, and uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a merch whore. Uh... 
So the strategy guide not only comes in a cool little book, uh, if you get the hardbound edition, it's got, uh, uh, what do you call those uh, printouts, Ben? Those uh, lithograms or whatever the hell they are? You mean lithographs? Uh, yeah, of uh, all the little perks you get. So I can frame them and hang them up on my walls and look all pretty fat. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, so what, so what have you been doing since the last show, Ian? Uh, been going out on dates. Uh, I've been shit. I'll be right back. Doing some coding, working on that, trying to work on that case a little bit more. Um, it's kind of kind of been slow. Been doing. I've been, uh, I watched, I binge watched both, all both seasons of that Daredevil, man. Oh, how'd you like it? It was really good. Cool. Uh, it was definitely, like, a lot more realistic than, I guess, like, the cartoons and stuff and the movie was. Um, I, the only thing, I won't say any spoilers, but, uh, I wish they would have showed, like, they only showed it once. I wish they would have showed it more times where you got to actually see, see like, the Daredevil vision or whatever, seeing what he sees. I know they showed that a lot more in the movie, but uh, I was talking to him about Nate, and he's like, well, that costs money. <laughs> so, yeah, that, I guess that is a good point that they would have had to do a lot more CG than for that. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. <laughs> it's well, like, you don't actually when you get a an actual like superhero okay, show on, on TV for television. Don't it's like don't expect powers and stuff on there. <laughs> it's like that and Agents of Shield and shit. Well, you know anymore. It's like it's not really a superhero show. It's a no giant tights, drama. No real. What? It's more it's like, like no tights, no flights. Well, <laughs> it's it's more like. You know, at this point, it's more like, you know, a high school drama where everyone just sits and talks about their problems. Oh, yeah, and I was wearing my superhero suit. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, it's like, okay, so hold on, I'll be right back. Comes back with, like, his suit torn. He's like, so as I was saying, I'm asking Stacy to dance, and I don't... <laughs> 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 well, it, it is I like how like... Kevin Smith explained if he uh, made a superhero movie. Well, I mean, that's kind of then the argument of, like, like <coughs> Spider-Man, isn't it? That he's basically, he's like, oh, this teenager with all his problems, and the, he's also a superhero. It's like, well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah like, fuck you. It's, it's a curse. It's such a burden. Shut up. Oh, <laughs> this, you haven't seen Man of Steel yet, fucker. have you? No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> okay. Not gonna do it. Won't be prudent. Right. Not at this juncture. Well, that's, oh, I, uh, that's... To let you know why I walked away. <clears throat> I uh, another thing I do, I get free games all the time on Reddit, and I email myself the codes because I just on my downtime I'll go to Reddit and I'll just punch in little things and I get a free code for a game, and I email it to myself so when I'm here I can install it. Uh, with Steam you usually just you activate it and then you can install it at your leisure, so it's in your library. It's just not downloaded, but I email myself twice a screenshot of the goddamn code. And all it sent was you know, sent for my Verizon phone, but no fucking picture. Piece of shit. Mm. Such Very shit. interesting. Anyways, so cool story, um, bro. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh wait, no, it's not. 
Uh, I forgot. You guys don't give a fuck. Nope. Nope. I don't give a fuck. But I was, I was trying to say that that's how the Daredevil show was. Like, one of the characters on there was, like, really whiny and annoying. <laughs> you know, and it's like everyone's having problems and stuff. It's like a soap opera, man. But Pretty white kids with problems. It's about super, superheroes and their fucking problems. Yeah. Yeah, except there's not really any superheroes or powers or anything. It's just like a... That's how the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was. It was, like a, it was like a giant CSI show or something. <laughs> Aren't they supposed to be doing like another Marvel show or something where it's like the cleanup crew after the stuff goes down? So like the guys yeah. that have to go in and like clean up the stuff and don't get people <laughs> sworn to secrecy. And <laughs> I don't know. They uh, canceled that uh, Agent Carter. Yeah, which is brilliant, I think, because, you know, it's like, when you've got another show that people are like, well, sometimes it's not so boring, and then you get this other show with a, a star, and everyone's like, oh, this show's great. It's like, of course, can't, of course cancel the one that people like. You know, I mean... <laughs> I always uh, just thought she was Carmen Sandiego whenever I saw her ass. Uh, anyway. Um, I, I will say that I that last show. I want to. I want to watch that Flash show. That looks interesting. I guess that he's, you know, a super powered character. I guess you know. Isn't he supposed super to be the best human samurai? That's yeah. a different show, Frank. So anyway, um, getting things back on track. Uh, what I what I've been up to since the last last show is uh, working on. My, okay, uh, so first, what's up with the news again? The first round <laughs> of the Newgrounds animation. <laughs> Jam, loop jam, where you make at least a 15-second animated loop. Space jam. Toe jam. And Earl. No, no. And Earl. No. I I said that Frank. <laughs> it's like Frank's on a delay. And Earl. Yeah. I am. I made a funny. <laughs> <laughs> Frank's, Frank's the guy on the scene. Ah. Yep. Anyway, Jason so. Jason to respond. That's right, Jeff. So, so anyway, the uh, work been trying to settle on. <coughs> I need my to get on a faster interaction. Yes, you do, Frank. So we've been working on that. It's the, that's the first topic for the first round of the animation jam is a loop, and I spent I've spent like the whole week trying to come up with an idea when I'm getting up early, get down to the studio, try and draw, trying to come up with stuff, and then I stayed up late watching some live streams last night, slept in this morning, and then I came up with like three ideas off the top of my head. I was like, oh, well. Oh. <laughs> oh, well. Anyways, oh, well. enough of a toe jam here. <laughs> haters gonna be haters gonna be Ian and Frank. Bon -dum. <laughs> Toe jam. No. So, I guess it's time for the news with Ian. It's time for some Blue's Clues news. Hush up and play the theme song. Ha. <laughs> 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 for it. <laughs> Waiting for God. Ian. Damn it. Wait for it. What's the matter, Ian? 
Wait a little bit longer. <laughs> God damn it, Google. Damn it, Google. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> so, what's going on, Ian? Let me, uh. Well, let me screen share. Hold on. <laughs> oh, Franklin. Oh, bye. Yeah. This is. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Ian. Oh, hey, Ian. Oh, hi, Ian. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. All right. Okay, so, uh... Even Google says hi, Ian. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so dun, like, dun. how many news articles light. you got today, man? Oh, all the news, but let's start with yours. Oh, we got all the news going on, huh? Tell us about Microsoft buying LinkedIn for $26.2 billion, reasserting its muscle. No one remembers that show except us, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Well, I found it funny, and that's really all that matters. It's like I'm Andy Kaufman. That doesn't even matter. Ooh, ah. Do you know that show was supposed to be a parody, Frank? No. Hmm. Well, it, it was. Ooh, huh. ah. Ooh, ah. All right. So, go ahead, Ian. Tell us about it. Okay. Microsoft has made its most ambitious move in years uh, to reassert itself as a technology market it once dominated or in a technology market. Um, the software giant said Monday morning that it would acquire LinkedIn in a $26.2 billion cash deal. The acquisition by far the largest in Microsoft's history uh, unites two companies and different businesses. One a big maker of software tools, the other the largest business oriented social networking site with more than 400 million members globally. The deal is Microsoft's biggest uh, bet yet that the traditional software business is shifting quickly to cloud computing, a model in which uh, customers uh, run software and other services delivered over the internet. While LinkedIn does not have the household name of Facebook, a much larger and more uh, lucrative social network, it is the most widely used site for people to advertise their professional uh, skills and work history. Uh, it is also uh, further evidence that uh, Satya Nadella, Microsoft's chief executive, uh, sees the company's future further and further removed from the PC software that once helped the company's co-founder Bill Gates from uh, or turn Microsoft into the world's most valuable company. Though they operate in different businesses, Microsoft and LinkedIn uh, make uh, most of their money by catering to professionals. Executives involved in the deal said that the common thread prompted the acquisition. This deal is all about bringing together the professional cloud and professional network, Mr. Nadella said in a telephone interview, so valuable is the data that 
recruiters spend thousands of dollars a month to uh, use it to fill job openings. They know the interconnections of the business world, said Brian Land and uh, analysts at Gardner, a technology research firm uh, that could really benefit Microsoft from a sales standpoint. Microsoft has bought its way into new businesses before, uh, though most of its largest deals have not turned out well. In 2014, it paid nearly $9.4 billion for the smartphone operations in Nokia, and some years earlier spent more than uh, $6 billion for uh, hashtag Quantum, uh, an internet advertising company, but ended up writing off most of the value of those deals after they performed poorly. Huh. Hmm. Well, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, LinkedIn and all that? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have a LinkedIn. I remember even in the days of MySpace... I remember, even in the days of MySpace, LinkedIn was the site nobody fucking bothered with. You always had emails from someone trying to explain their pers their professional portfolio by trying to have you be their friend and shit. And you're like, shut the fuck up. LinkedIn is the site that people are members of, but it's like people, I don't know anybody who's jazzed about being on it. Like on Facebook, you're like, oh, my friends are there and we share funny pictures <laughs> of cats. It's like, look, I'd really like to try and get in and impress these people, and if they think I'm a working professional with a long, extending career, then they can see, but, you know, it's 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 like having the business card printed up. It's the social media version of that. It's like, here's a thing, I'm I'm actually part of this world. Nobody wants to do it, but it's like, well, <laughs> I don't know. Also, I believe, last time I checked, they had a... There's of the site, I think it was unsubscribe me or something like that, where they ranked sites and how easy they are to get out of. LinkedIn is apparently like one of the the blacklistings where it's like once they have your information, uh, you can't un, you know, unsubscribe, un, un get connected to them. They have you forever. Well, so, that's pretty much just like Facebook is. I mean, you can't yeah, delete yeah. your account. Well, I don't know. I mean, at least with. At least with Facebook, you can throw up your hands and go, I'm leaving! Come back two weeks later. Okay, all my friends are here on this day. <laughs> yeah. Psych. Oh, man. I love I love when people storm off, I'm better than this! Screw all y'all! No, guess not. <laughs> like, they're gonna start their own page or something. <laughs> but yeah, Microsoft buying LinkedIn, um... Well, if they're pushing towards the whole cloud thing as a, you know as their future, and it, it makes sense to want to get into social networking and Microsoft, they definitely want to be the business edge of it. You know, as to how useful it'll be, I don't know. Probably business-wise, help them. I don't know. I don't really know what all they'll do. Although I bet you a lot of stuff be. Whenever you get a new Windows thing, it'll be like, oh, get a you know a profile or have this on your LinkedIn wall or oh no. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense if you're going towards that direction to do something like that. But the the cloud computing, the whole reigning thing, is a mistake in itself. So, <laughs> well, I don't know, man. I mean, even. 
I mean, on some respect, like, I like the idea that of the potential of the cloud that in the future you just get a computer and you'll just be able to get your software on it, whatever it is, you know, rather than, I bought this copy of, you know, Photoshop and it's on my Windows computer and I can't get uh, the Mac version of it because, or for some reason, it's like I had to buy the specific this version. It's like, you know, that's, that's the promise of, you know, the cloud, but... In actuality, you know, nobody likes the idea of, I'm renting software. I wanted to buy it, I pay my money for it. <laughs> well, we've had this discussion plenty of times on the show. Yeah, yeah. So, 26.2 billion. That's quite a payday, man. Well, how much How much was that, that DreamWorks acquisition recently? That was like 6 point something billion? So it's like, is LinkedIn worth, you know, 26.2 billion? But, well, Microsoft thinks so. So, but did you hear hey, about that yeah. Gawker thing? With they're pretty much in bankruptcy now after that thing with Hulk Hogan. Oh, are are they gonna do like Fifty Cent and spell broke with a whole bunch of Benjamins? <laughs> yeah. yeah Hold on, remember when uh, Fifty Cent was it, uh, lost all that weight to play a cancer uh, uh, patient in a movie, and still no one fucking saw it. Yeah. Anyway, that's not what I was going to say. I was, I was just going to say, check this out, Ian. You'll probably appreciate this. Oh, boy. This ought to be interesting. Huh. Okay. He's a traitor. Interesting. How many monitors is that? Twelve. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. That's that's nice, Frank. Um, <laughs> relevance to Microsoft. Oh, that's not relevant to anything. I just I just saw it. Well, on my, it was on my uh, front page on Reddit. And I said, "Hey, you know, like that." Frank's the little kid person. that you get that you put in the back seat of your car and give his Game Boy. And well, Ben, also somebody. So, uh, I saw this guy says. I just got a bill from my psychiatrist for a procedure. The procedure was diagnosing me with ADHD upon my first session. He's like, I've been, I've had ADHD since I was six and have been diagnosed, and I brought him my medical records. What are my options? Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, we'll give you a Game Boy, Frank. You can just sit there and no. play it and have no. fun. <laughs> um, no. So, what... Real quick before we move on, Ian, do you have any uh, other opinions on uh, on this deal? I mean, I'm not, I'm not for one, I'm not too crazy about all the acquisitions I've been we've been seeing lately, like especially yeah. big ones like this. You know, it's like I don't know, man. Eventually, it's going to be a Time Warner Cable owns Facebook now, or you know, uh, Apple owns Facebook, or you know, it's like it's going to be it, it, all the tie-ins are just ridiculous to keep track of anymore. Actually, what, uh, what's your internet? Is your internet Time Warner too, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, I think all three of us have Time Warner. It's like Time Warner is, is since they got bought by Charter, uh, we're gonna have to deal with that soon. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the they're the primary provider in Ohio, just like you know they're primary provider in Texas and other places. So it's like either you have one, either you have Comcast or you have Time Warner predominantly. So. Yeah. Anyway, so moving along to the next news story. Let's see. 
this 43-inch Dell monitor is actually four monitors in one. See, Frank, if you'd waited just a little bit to share your leak, you could have been relevant. I think that's why he transitioned it. Because I posted all five of mine ahead of time there. On the you assume Frank looks at the chat. <laughs> no, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't paying a bit of attention, actually. So uh, let me see here. Where, where is this? Uh, which one has been? It's the second one. Okay. Whoa! Hey, it's the it's the TV from Back to the Future. Give me channel sixty-seven forty-five. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> huh. well, why would I want four monitors? No, you have one monitor with four inside. Well, my monitor can be four inside. I've got the splitting software. And if you have Display Fusion, it does the same fucking thing. Oh, but it only costs uh, one thousand three hundred forty-nine dollars. All right. The 43-inch monitor? Hold on, let me Google yeah. 4K. Let, let's let 40. Ian t tell us about this one while you're Googling, Frank. How about that? Okay. It says, you've always wanted a desktop covered with monitors. You own, you own personal command center to control multiple computers, watch the game, and play Xbox all at the same time. But actually hooking up multiple monitors could be a logistical nightmare. Uh, enter the Dell P4... 317Q, a 30, a 43-inch 4K screen with four video inputs, so you can have four screens in one. While the new $1,350 monitor, roughly 918 pounds or 1,876 Australian dollars, who cares? Primarily targeted at financial traders and uh, software developers who need uh, charts, graphs. Or a whole lot of code on screen at any given time. It's got the ports for uh, other use cases as well. Two HDMI 1.4 sockets, uh, Display Port and Mini Display Port, and a VGA jack for legacy applications. You can assign each port to any corner you want. Place two side by side, or uh, even fill the entire screen with the push of a button according to Dell's product page. Audio is piped to a pair of uh, AOS speakers and there's a headphone jack if you need. Uh, if you use the display port it should support 4K resolution at 6 Hz fast enough for many PC gamers. Uh, so the main trick to this pony is that there's four inputs? Yeah. Okay, and I mean because 60 Hz 60 hertz isn't, you know, I mean, here's a, here, here, here's a 43-inch monitor that's 60 hertz uh, for not as much. <laughs> I actually would mind that, but, uh, I mean, if you're a trader, uh, like, that's what that other that picture I posted was, is uh, a guy who's a day trader or whatever, so he's got to have all those fucking uh, yeah. monitors. I think for 60 hertz is still a pretty good standard for 4K. <clears throat> well, that's what this is. This is 60 hertz 4K, and it's not even 300 fucking dollars. Right. Well, this is a Skeptor, though. They're talking about Dell as a higher name brand. Eh. I don't give a fuck. Huh. That's $1,300. I'll, I'll buy that insignia <coughs> or that Vizio. 
dude, you can get okay. There's there's protection if you pay the extra money to get protection on Walmart. So if it fucking breaks, Walmart will replace it. Um, do I really need? Do I need a sound card? No. Do I need four inputs uh, if I'm not day trading? I mean, I can. I know I can hook it up to a PlayStation and an Xbox and my computer. But then it's not going to be a 43 inch fucking picture. It's going to be a quarter of that. Well, that's okay, Frank. I mean, with all those extra Titans that you're going to be packing and hooking up to all those different monitors Titans anyway. are going to be cheap now that AMD has released their shit and the fucking 1080s out and all that. But just, you missed that. You were you were, you were were in Canada. No, I missed it because I didn't care. So. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Uh, uh, but, yeah, well, I mean... I mean, the, the multi-monitors in one, I think... I like the idea of it for the capacity, you know, for the, you know, for adding it, but, you know, it's like, I, th I think this will be good for future things, where you're going to see more of these things where it's like, oh yeah, and you can also break it apart into multiple monitors if you want to, or this or that. I think it's it's good to have the options. I I'm not crazy about spending, you know, 1300 on a, on a monitor, but then again, I'm not crazy about 4K right now either, so. I mean, like, you have, you have two monitors, right, Frank? Yeah. I mean, if you... I got a 34-inch like, and a 27. Yeah. If you had, like... I mean, so you have, like, a 27-inch, right? That's... Yeah, the one that's the portrait, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's pretty close to 30. What, like... I mean, if you could have, like, a 60-inch that's four of those, pretty much, wouldn't you do that? And you could put them together. Wouldn't that be? Oh, nice? you're what? I'm saying what? It, it's it's pretty much like if you're gonna get like four monitors or something. I, I hear you. That is what? I you saying? Wouldn't you, you rather have? It. He's saying, wouldn't you rather just have the ease of having them all in one thing rather than having one over here and over here and over here and have to yeah. well fiddle it's, with all okay. the tables? Okay, when I got my when I got my ultra wide here. I, re I was reading and doing research. I'm like, well, because the 25-inch ultra-wide was like 100 and some bucks. It was ridiculous cheap. And I said, well, fuck, I can pick that up. Well, I started doing research, and they're like, no, the aspect ratio with shit all squished looks like ass, so don't get anything less than 34 because it's so short that it looks fucking horrible. And, yeah, it's a cool gimmick to be able to have it all on one screen, but... I don't think 43 inches is going to be big enough to actually do any fucking thing on with four quadrants. See, see, this to me, it's like, for one, most people with monitors, if you you know, they want to branch out and get just another monitor, so they end up in Frank's situation where he has one, and then he's like, I think I'll get an ultra wide, or I'll think I'll get a portrait. They don't. Most people don't, you know, unless you're building a whole new setup and you haven't had something already, you probably got a monitor you're using, and then you just want to upgrade. You don't want to build the beast and it's like having you know this is more like having a three in one printer scanner and thing and you're just like <clears throat> you know maybe it's, if I okay. was you saw the uh, you've seen the Linus Tech Tips reviews of the ultra wides and shit when he says pro, you know productivity it's not that great it, you can do it yes your screen is split it looks shitty and this thing I don't I have one app on this thing really at all times and my secondary screen as an, maybe one or two apps. 
uh, I just can't see splitting this up into four you know, it, anything up into four quadrants and making it viewable. I mean, 43 inches, what's that divided up by? Let's see. And it's anyway. pretty much like a 20-inch screen for each of those. Well, yeah, don't they inches. say that multi-things, multi like the most you can multitask productively is like two, and that the more you add, the more you you drop off, so it really, once you have to watch more <coughs> monitors, the more monitors well, you add. Well, that's also what they said about this 34-inch. They're like, you cut it right down the middle, it's two 20-inch monitors. I can't do that. I don't, I don't do it. It's all fucking one thing. A, a game's on this, a movie is on this. All the other shits here. I've got a 17-inch monitor. I want to cram over somewhere else to have other stuff going on. Cause you know, I, it kind of reminds can't... me. It reminds me of. Remember when we were talking about that that live stream uh, camera that would record like six six or nine screens at once, and you could use an iPhone app to pick which camera it was focused on. And I was looking at that. I was like, you know, it's a 4K or whatever camera. And it, you know, they were pre-selling it for, you know, it's going to be three ninety-nine when it comes out, and right now it's two ninety-nine. And I'm like, I wonder, like, that's not a bad price for like a four K device. Let me take a look at it in case, you know, I want to use it. And I looked at it, and it's like, well, the actual quadrants are not ten eighty, you know, for this thing. It's like each of the quadrants is like seven twenty. So, all right, so that's less than my webcam now, but still, it sounds, you know, promising. What if I just use the whole thing? And then I look, I, I watched some of the test footage from it. And it's all very fisheye, like it, the, the oh, footage of fisheye lens. Well, they show like you can Google uh, the Mevo camera. It used to be the Mivo or something, and now it's the Mevo or whatever. But you could Google the footage of it. They filmed these these two women cooking, and you could see the walls kind of curve on the back. And then when they when it zooms in, it kind of it looks blurry because it's still you know a part of a bigger image, and it's like it doesn't look quite look right. And so you're looking at it, and it's just like. I, I mean that's not a bad price for a 4K thing, but even at full size, it's like I just, mm. I, I don't know. I guess just my point is, is if you're gonna, if you're gonna be getting, uh, like four screens that are roughly add up to be this pretty much the same size as this, this might be a little bit more efficient doing it this way than. Uh, Jerry rigging yourself something up and having to get a mount and everything for all four of them. I don't I mean, think anyone's going to do four 20-inch screens. Well, I mean, I think it all comes down to what you're looking to upgrade to. Like, if you desperately need four specifically, this might make more sense than going out and buying four physical screens. But I think most people who use four screens are just going to acquire those through, you know, over time, like, oh, there's a new new one, and oh, there's another new one, and I had this one from a friend, or whatever, because eventually, if, if you're getting them for that, eventually they're going to roll one out that has six screens, and then one that has, you know, an ultra-ultra HD, you know, it's like, I, oh, I you don't mean know. You don't think the average person is going to be able to be, like, baller and go and buy all the screens all at once, so... <laughs> I just think eventually eventually, it's going to get to the point where it's like Marty McFly, Jun Marty McFly Jr. sitting there going, going Channel's 37, the, the music channel! <laughs> Alright, right, but now we... Here's, we no, here's something I think interesting. Not what, if you got, what if you got four of these, then you could do 16. <laughs> so anyway, let's move on now to Oklahoma's use of card well, readers to freeze, seize funds, comes under fire. Actually, Frank wanted to say something real quick. What were we going to say, Frank? I, I'd rather I'd rather have this in. Really? That's, that's what Frank is, is to say. He's like, here's a picture. 
Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather do that. What what is it, Frank? Do I? <sighs> link. You click it. I don't want. I don't want to click your link. So you you'd rather have the bezel on it than huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah fuck it. Yeah. I and. I mean, I don't, and that's if you want 4K. I'm really, I, I'm not going to go 4K for a while. I, I'm fine with 1080. Because then I have to buy a new fucking monitor, then I need a new graphics card. Well, you know, I need a reason with, to fucking do it. At least with physical monitors, you can, you know, change the orientation. If you just get one, it's like, well, they're stacked. Yeah, but what if you want them all this way? Nope, they're stacked. <laughs> and, and one last thing, boom. Yeah, Frank says it's the last leaf. He's lying. We didn't even do the theme song. <laughs> I just realized that. What what theme song? Yeah, you disconnected and then you came back. And then you just started in the news and people were probably listening to this going, Where? We missed the theme song. Because I just realized I didn't get to say the news with Ian. The news with Ian. Yeah, you well, did no, see I heard you I right there. I thought we did. We did. No, you disconnected. You started, no. but then you you couldn't screen share, and you ran off. God damn it! And you went off, and then came back. Okay, fine. <laughs> Professionalism. Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. The middle of the news with the. Wait for it. Yeah, so you gonna play the theme song, you? Hmm? I just oh, installed an app with my phone. I had, I had phone. it off. I had the input ah. off. So, I just it's saw... the middle uh, of the news. In the middle of the news, I just saw a uh, thing that said, I installed an app on my phone that let me know which one of my friends is racist. It's called Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's an old joke. So it's true as hell, though. Like Here's your Game Boy, Frank. Sit down. <laughs> cool, isn't it? And what kind of cards do you need to have to do uh, Well, it looks like he's only playing, like, Doom. <laughs> Well, you can get it. I don't know what kind of inputs those are. He could, he could have just like a shit ton of VGA splitters. I mean, like, you'd have to have like five or ten Titans or something. Well, like, it looks like he's playing old school Doom, so it's not like it probably runs that great. Ooh, 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 ooh. Yes, ooh. monkey man. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I wanna be like you. Okay, I'll I'll save this story then. Well, Ian was going to tell us about Oklahoma's use of card readers. Go on with the story, Ian. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Oklahoma's use of card readers to free seized phones 
phones under fire. Uh, police in Oklahoma are using scanners that can identify phony credit cards, but critics warn the devices could also allow cops to empty the bank accounts of law-abiding citizens with one swipe. Um, authorities in the state are using new devices during traffic stops to freeze and seize money loaded into prepaid debit cards by alleged drug traffickers with the potential to set up to $8,000 per portable scanner. Supporters of the program, which has only been in the field for about six weeks, say it's an important tool for law enforcement agencies to interrupt the flow of illegal drugs into Oklahoma. Uh, critics, however, are blasting the machines as a disturbing extension of civil forfeiture laws with the potential for abuse by police and prosecutors. Opponents say that the devices are infringing on Fourth Amendment uh, prohibitions of unreasonable search and seizure, and that police departments are in turn uh, stuffing their walls with the cash from innocent civilians. We believe it's plainly unconstitutional, makes Sibylia of the Institute for Justice told uh, FoxNews.com. The Fourth Amendment is unfortunately in tatters in the, this day and age. The Oklahoma Department of Public Safety signed a contract with Texas Police uh, E-Ray Group Inc. to use devices which work on open loop prepaid debit cards like those provided by American Express and Visa. But debit cards attached to a valid checking account or valid uh, credit cards cannot be processed by ERAN, which stands for Electronic uh, Recovery and Access to Data. The company that manufactured the devices also promised 7.7% of all uh, money forfeited using the machines, according to one contract obtained by Oklahoma Watch. Is it's just absolutely appalling that a private company can profit from the forfeited uh, uh, property said Sibelia. The card readers, which are said to be used in at least 25 other states, have uh, uh, reignited a debate over civil asset forfeiture, legal tool used by police and prosecutors across the country to take millions of dollars in cash, cars, homes, and more every year. Under, under civil forfeiture, law enforcement can seize property without change, charging an indivi individual with a crime. Unlike criminal forfeiture, no conviction is necessary to seize assets. All, all opponents say threatens basic rights to property and due process. Further, state and federal statutes allows for cash and assets associated with the drug trade to become property of a policing agency through civil litigation. In many uh, places, cash and property seized boosts the budget of very police agencies and prosecutors' offices that took it. In 2012, 70% of all forfeiture uh, expenditures in Oklahoma funded salaries for law enforcement, according to uh, data obtained by the Institute for Justice. And it goes on a little bit more from there, but I mean, it, it's, it sounds like it could be something that could be a you know, like, uh, definitely. There's potential it could for be abused, abuse. You know, there's potential for abuse with that. But then again, like, just the whole f phrasing of you know, you can have your stuff seized without have without being accused of a crime. 
you know, outside of these readers, that that right there is set up as kind of a, hey, this is kind of a thing we want to talk about. But then again, when you check out, it says foxnews.com, now I'm also kind of, <laughs> it's like, well, you got to take that with a grain of salt. So it's like, eh, as to, I don't know, I, I'd have to, I'd have to see, you know, plenty of reports about how these things have been used and how much they can take. I'm not a fan of, you know, if the police get get you and they can take your credit card too, that doesn't that doesn't quite sound. You know, yeah, that's like, hey, well, we need something for the policeman's ball. Here you go. Well, my view is that if if something can be abused, it, it probably will be. Um, yeah, let's just not, you know, assume that everyone's acting out of the goodness of their hearts. <laughs> it's like that's never yeah. a safe bet. Well, did they then weren't people like arrested or got in trouble or something at the TS? Safe for the with those body scanners and shit or something. Uh, well, you also have to. Matter, there's also the matter of if, if it's unregulated, it's like what's to keep people from doing things? You know, like people that listen in on phone calls, listening to se- you know phone sex and telling friends, hey, there's good phone sex over here, and you know this that. And it's like online one. It's like well, <laughs> you need thing things need to be regulated. So, but then again, I do agree that you know. We have to watch the flow of drug money through through. I mean, things like you know prepaid debit cards and stuff, and prepaid cell phones and all of this stuff that you don't need to have locked down somewhere. It's like it does facilitate stuff like that, but I don't know. Isn't that isn't that why we they got rid of like higher denominations, like thousands and ten thousand dollar bills was to stop drugs? <laughs> I don't know. There's probably lots of reasons for it. What are your thoughts, Franklin? I am confused. I just can't get on this over this level on my Game Boy, and it's just bothering me. I just. <laughs> well, what are your what are your thoughts on you know the the ability of police to uh, confiscate things even if you aren't charged with a crime? That's fucking shit. Yeah, that that they can't. Me there's no search and seizure. They can't do it. Yeah, that it's. It reminds me hmm. of what. Kind of reminds me of eminent domain, where you know, uh, yeah. someone can just decide, "Hey, you don't own this anymore." <laughs> Wait, I don't know. But then again, like I said, this is a story from Fox, so it's like I, you know, as to how it's being reported, that I don't know. I don't know where they where they reported from, because you know, it's like yeah, just any, like anything, you find stuff from the internet, you kind of know your sources and where stuff's from, you know. Bonjour. So, yeah, cat sticking her butt in my face. So let's move along to her next. I just think things yeah. like when, if the police can make money, they they will like with you know those that light cameras and stuff. That's just pretty much a revenue generator. Well, they just they deemed those illegal. Oh, they did. Oh yeah, yeah. We had one down the street. They they it's fucked on. They they. Realize that it, they they have to have a cop. They they enacted a law where a cop has to be present, so they just fucking got they they're all null and void. They don't do anything anymore. Oh, well, it'll yeah, be very the cop hard isn't for, there to witness it. It'll be very mm-hmm. hard for terrorism victims' family to win lawsuit against Twitter. I got so. Google it and give you the exact story here. <laughs> Go ahead, Ian. Tell us while Frank's googling. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
victims by the Twitter, Google, and Facebook profit off of uh, terrorist propaganda. Uh, Oakland, California legal experts say that it will be an uphill battle for the plaintiffs who filed a lawsuit this week against Twitter, Facebook, and Google. That suit filed here on behalf of the family of a, of a terrorism victim argues that the companies should not be a vehicle for terrorist propaganda and that the company should be held liable for the consequences of publication of such material. On Tuesday, the family of Noemi Gonzalez, a woman killed in terrorist attacks in Paris in November of last year, sued the three tech giants in federal court for unspecified damages. In a 39-page civil complaint, the family's attorneys argued that the defendants provide uh, material support to ISIS as the companies make money off of ads that run against this propaganda and therefore are in violation of a civil uh, provision of an anti-terrorism bill. However, according to several lawyers and law uh, professors that, that ARS spoke with, the uh, trio of companies in uh, Gonzalez versus Twitter will likely argue that they are not liable under Section 230 of the Communications uh, decency act. The companies have not yet formally responded to the case in court. Uh, in fact, Twitter has recently made this argument in a related <coughs> case, uh, Fields versus Twitter, where the widow of an American government contractor murdered and Jordan sued the company on similar grounds. On Thursday, a federal judge in San Francisco dismissed Fields signing with Twitter, but will allow it to be refiled. For his part, Twitter spokesman uh, New uh, Wexler told Ayers in a statement that while the company sympathizes with the family situation, we believe this lawsuit is uh, without merit, quote-unquote. According to Paul Allen Levy, an attorney with Public Citizen who has litigated several Section 230 cases previously, the Gonzalez case is ludicrous on its face. If it weren't for the printing press and the postal service, none of this ad speech would be uh, disseminated uh, emailed. So let's see the state of Ghana's uh, going as uh, Gutenberg. Johann Gutenberg. So, Gutenberg. sorry to interrupt. I, I looked up about a uh, traffic lights, uh, the sorry, the red light tickets, cameras, anyway. So, it varies. There are se several states that have laws against them. Here's a detailed list. Uh, basically, in Ohio, it says, for speed, officer must be present, and red light, an officer must be present. So, they're pretty much null and void in our state. Uh, other states have, have varying rules, uh, in case you uh, are actually curious about it. It says that at the very top of the page, uh, there are 13 states that pass laws that prohibit them. Uh, 28 states have no law addressing them, and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, they're pretty much null and void. Okay. All right, then. Uh, I'm going to go get a beverage, because mine ran the fuck out, so uh, I apologize. That's all right. BRB. Um, okay, this is... Talks a little bit about the Communications Decency Act. Uh, 
This is one of the primary benefits of this portion of the law, experts say, is that it has allowed all kinds of new websites and services to flourish without being worried about being sued for libel or allegedly violating other laws. According to the uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation, Section 230 has enabled all kinds of modern websites, including Craigslist, Yelp, Facebook, and Yelp, Facebook, and more. In short, lawsuits should be brought against the relevant speakers or authors rather than against the publishers. It's a dangerous path to go down. What we're worried about is what the consequences are as to what a platform will do if they have to fear for this kind of liability. Uh, Aaron McKay, a legal fellow at EFF for us. Hey, no attention to that. You got a curtain? Okay, so, so basically, the family is suing that that uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Google were were used by terrorists to, and uh, and therefore the, those things the terrorists ran had ads, and therefore the companies are profiting off them. That's what they're they're saying. Right. And the argument, I mean, to be fair, these these services do all shut down whenever they find that someone is using it for you know, illegal means, you know, they shut these accounts down, but it's like, you, you can't, I mean, I, get, I guess the argument is you can't really sue them for this content that these people put up, because, you know, if, if you, you know, you have to find it and, and remove it, and, you know, what, what's, the, what's the case is that now every Facebook, Every Facebook page has to be approved by a living human being or something? Is that what the argument's going to come down to? Because how do you justify that? I mean, in some countries, like in the UK, you know, if, if people post on your website, you're responsible for their comments and, and stuff, just like if you said them. But in the US, at least, yeah. it's, it's libel isn't handled that way. <laughs> My cat does not like this story. <laughs> Alright, you... What are your thoughts, Ian? I I don't know. I mean, I, it's it does sound like that they would probably, you know, would probably be a uphill battle. Like anybody fighting such a big company, it would be an uphill battle. You yeah, know, but I mean, already uh, squished. <laughs> yeah, but I'm saying on the grounds that what they're suing over, I mean. It's like, well, this kind of content shouldn't be on their site. Well, yeah, they agree. They, but, you know, I don't really see an answer on what they're suing for, other than, what are you going to do? Yeah. Make every every Google, you know, everybody that goes to put up a page on, on you know, through Google, it has to have it verified by a human being that can look and go, nope, this, is, this meets criteria. That, it's like, that's not going to happen, you know, realistically. I don't know. I mean, there is argument that Twitter, Facebook, Google, things like these could do better, you know, responses to people being, you know, uh, harassed and threatened, you know, things like that. There are be better things they could do, or, you know, Facebook has gotten into the things with that whole freebooting thing where people take a video and re-upload it through a Facebook, and Facebook gets the ads, so what's their reason, you know, why would they need to take it down? But, you know, there's, there's stuff like that, but this basically is like I don't see this this uh, lawsuit 
holding up when they go to court. So. Right, and also the fact that yeah, you can uh, you can pretty pretty much regenerate the account if you do, if you do have a human that takes that thing down, then they could just they could just remake it again, you know. I'm just saying it's not it's not possible for a person to review every Facebook page and it's yeah. like when when they find out that someone's using Facebook to promote terrorist activities they go and shut that account down just like when there's somebody does a mass shooting and they go they go to that person's profile and shut it down because they don't want you know don't want that person's message getting out and promoting all these things but it's like you don't know that until that person's you know god or whatever so Anyway, tell us about DMC winning big in law record label lawsuit against Vimeo. Okay, uh, case question of DMCA gave immunity to providers for their users and things, and it's got a copyright. Looks like looks like a murder she wrote with copyright. Yeah. Copyright she wrote. All right. Yeah, it's a good old uh, typewriters. You know, I was talking to my uh, brother like a little while ago, and he's he's never heard of a typewriter. He didn't doesn't know what a typewriter is. He's 13. Well, well my 19 year old sister, she has heard of typewriters. Well, I mean, to be fair, you and I we grew up with them around, but even then, like, yeah. you know, I was what five when my family got a personal computer, so you know. It's like it, we were just on the cusp of, you know, like, you know, I'm sure your brother probably hasn't heard of a cassette tape either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people, when when young kids look at a picture of a floppy disk, they go, oh, somebody 3D printed a save button. Yeah. So, go, go ahead. Well, well, during my typing class, like, I took a class for learning how to type properly, and, you know, it's, that was, what was that, like, uh, early 2000s? And it, you know, there was definitely computers around, but we, they still made us use typewriters because it helped you make not make mistakes, you know, because it was actually then on the paper you didn't have any backspace. So. Yeah. Anyways, uh, a federal appeals court ruled Thursday that the service providers such as Vimeo, uh, video sharing sites like Vimeo, are protected by the. Digital Millennium Copyright Act for pre-1972 musical recordings uploaded by their users. Record labels had sued the YouTube-like site and successfully convinced the district court judge that because pre-1972 recordings fell under state laws and not federal copyright law, the MCA shouldn't didn't apply. The second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals reversed that decision and also overturned the lower court that ruled the DMCA didn't grant so-called safe harbor passage to service providers whose employees uh, saw infringement on their platforms uploaded by their users. Uh, his decision once again affirms that the DMCA extends immunity to a service provider for the infringement of their uh, customers if the service provider removes material at the request of the right holder. The decision was Again, to an earlier and popular decision called Viacom vs. YouTube, which the record label said was off base in the case against Vimeo. In the case decided Thursday, the court ruled that a showing 
by plaintiffs of no more than that some employees of Vimeo had some contact with the user posted video that played all or nearly all of rec recognizable song is not sufficient to satisfy plaintiffs' burden of proof that Vimeo forfeited the safe harbor by reason of red flag knowledge with respect to that video, quote unquote. The ruling added that the service providers uh, personnel are under no duty to uh, affirmatively uh, seek uh, indication of infringement. Regarding the pre-1972 recordings, the court ruled to continue, uh, let me say that, is that a statute by 12 words? Uh, as leading service providers subject to liability under state copyright laws for postings by users of infringements of which the service providers were unaware would defeat the very purpose Congress sought to achieve in passing the statute, the service providers would be compelled either to incur heavy costs of moni monitoring every posting to be sure it did not contain uh, infringing pre-1972 recordings or incurring potentially crushing liabilities under state copyright laws. It is not as of as if uh, pre-1972 sound recordings were sufficiently outdated as to render the potential liabilities insignificant. Today's ruling by the second court is a significant win for not just Vimeo but all online platforms that empower creators to share content with the world, quote-unquote, said Michael uh, Cheech, Vimeo's general counsel. The, the case was uh, brought in 2009 by Capitol Records and Sony, which did not immediately respond to the comment. Um, the EFF applauded uh, the ruling. I said, the court held that Number one, there was no duty to monitor for infringement. Two, that suspicion of infringement wasn't enough unless infringement was obvious. And three, a few sporadic videos out of millions where Vimeo employees inappropriately encouraged users to post infringing video was insufficient to remove the DMCA safe harbor protections. Said. And what, what, wait, let, let me get this. This straight. What's a DMCA stand for again? Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Okay. Okay. See, I thought. See, the way this is written, it says wins big and record label lawsuit against Vimeo. So, isn't the DMCA when when they take down things? So, because the way this is written, it makes it sound like 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 uh, Vimeo lost the lawsuit, but well, yeah, DMCA yes. is. DMCA is good for Vimeo then. So DMCA and Vimeo win against the record company lawsuit is what they're saying? Um, not sure. <laughs> yeah. The, the I, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, okay, okay. Well, I came in late. My apologies. Well, okay. So basically the, they're saying that with the DMCA is that the Websites don't ha like Vimeo d don't have to 
you know, aren't, aren't to be held responsible when their users upload something as long as they have the time to take it down upon, you know, something wrong. As long as they ha have time to take it down and, and serve the rights holders. Because it sounds like the record labels want to be able to sue for damages whenever somebody uploads a pre-1972 recording that they believe is copyrighted. And that would put an unfair, unfair and undue burden on the sites. And it's like, okay, yeah, I, I can agree with that. <laughs> That, yeah, this was, it was sort of similar to what you were saying about the last article, it's like, uh, you, they can't, like, monitor everything, you know? Well, I think, I mean, the, the fear is that they're going to use this as a, you know, a, a thing to, you know, to keep people from putting anything online, and it's like, well, you know, you have, you have to decide, well, are they, are the people at the record labels getting damaged more by this, or would people be damaged by not being able to upload the things they made? to this site. It's like, well, if we take down every site, <laughs> I mean, every video that uses a song, because we're afraid it might use a song from 1972 or, after, you know, or before, that's, you know, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, it, it's just sad because it's like, even, I, I was, I watched this, I'm sub subscribed to this guy's YouTube channel called Comics Explained, which just, like, explains a lot of comic book characters and stuff pretty, pretty nicely. And uh, his videos are educational and stuff, and he's, uh, because of that, he's able to use, like, a lot of fair use things. But this uh, one guy, I guess he's being sued by this one guy or whatever for a copyright claim uh, because he used a, a picture that this guy took it at, like, some kind of convention of a writer uh, that the guy in the video was talking about. You know, and it's it was just a picture. It was, it's not video or audio or anything. It's just a you know like a picture. And I guess he's just well, the I copyright mean, for that is it's crazy, well, man. Well, I mean that's just you know the thing. It's like somebody took that picture. I mean, like the Mona Lisa is just a painting, but yet it's still very very valuable. <laughs> so it's like you yeah. know the people that have a copyright or something. And the argument is, if they don't like what you have to say, then they they could use that you know, as a thing to squash your, your commentary, and it's like, well, on some level, how much can you use without having to worry about, you know, the whole fair use argument? It's like, well, it's very complicated. Yeah, but it's the, just, the whole fair use thing is definitely a hot-button issue right now for a lot of people, because a lot of people uh, are supposed to be able to use things for fair use, but a lot of people are getting intimidated and everything, you know? Well, people don't know how to actually interpret it. Well, I mean, you know, some some people upload a whole movie to YouTube and put fair use. It's like, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not transformative. It's not. Oh well. And well, anyway, like even people are getting intimidated intimidated for the strikes that they're getting for content they've purchased and are uh, legally allowed to be used. But because of the system of sites like YouTube, it's just so screwed up, you know? The content yeah. ID and everything. Yep. Content but, ID. Anyway, so that's, that's it for my news articles. Did you, uh, didn't you have an article you wanted to put in there real quick, uh, Frank, before Ben starts? Yeah! I'll, be, I'll bet Ben probably has this, but... Uh, Go ahead, Frank. <clears throat> copy. It's... Not as much a news article. There's there's topic and discussion about it on the original Reddit source, but I linked the uh, Imager uh, page just because of. I figured it, it gives more of an open ended discussion about it. It's a uh, 
Disney anime reveals what Frozen would have looked like as a 2D hand-drawn film. Um. Okay. Frank, let it go. Oh, here it fucking goes. But no, uh, <laughs> yeah, it. I think it could have worked. Why did they have to go to CG? I don't. I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe in a couple years they'll redo it like they do every fucking thing else. Um. Well, Frank, I can answer you that quite easily. Um. That's concept art. And uh, concept art is done in 2D because it's a lot faster to paint an image than it is to sit and model it and and model it all from your head. You know, you use concept art in order to generate the 3D art later. I mean, I don't think I asked where'd this come from and why. Well, I'm just saying, films that are done in CG could be done in 2D. I mean, the The Incredibles was going to be a 2D film at one point. However, after for Disney, at least, after the Frog Frog Prince uh, flopped very badly, they've decided to embrace the 3D, which, trust me, Frank, as a 2D animator, I'm none too thrilled about. However... <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things, a lot of times, it's easier doing 3, 3D because, uh, you know, you have a lot of uh, assets and stuff that you can reuse from other movies and everything, so that helps, and, you know, you have you could use pre-made rigs and everything. Well, I mean, we I've discussed it with Frank a little bit, I think, but, I mean, I've heard it on uh, the Rubber Onion Animation Podcast. They were talking about, like... Okay. Uh, they were talking... What was that? <laughs> that was sad trombone, but okay. But they were talking about how kids today, you know, it's like, you know, with how a lot of people our age look at black and white movies, they think... Oh, I don't want to watch that movie. It's in black and white. I want to watch color. And it's like 3D movies. They think, well, do kids today are they? Do they see three? You know, a 2D cartoon and go, oh, that's not 3D. I don't want to see that. And I think that's the mentality that studios have. They think that the kids only want want to see the new. So, I don't know what. what I mean, but it, you know, it, to answer the the question of why didn't they do it in in you know 2D? It's like, well, you know, you can find concept art for live action movies that's drawn and go, how come this was an animated film? It's like, well, the people making it <laughs> you know, that's not how it happened. So. Could have worked. A lot of movies could have worked well in two. I mean, there's a lot of what if. Like, what if Brave hadn't been changed directors mid-production? What if you know, Bolt had, had kept the guy who the original director, the guy from Lilo and Stitch, what would that movie have looked like? Because he wanted it to be about, you know, the, a dog that was going around in, in cars and made it like a spy story. That would have been a very different movie. You know, a lot of a lot of the what-ifs, like that, that movie Dune, they made a, they made a documentary about the, the, the original version of Dune that was going to be made in, like, was it the 60s? But wasn't made. And it's like there's all this concept art and all this beautiful stuff that, like, that movie didn't happen. And... <laughs> Or that movie, The Sweatbox, where they talk about the Emperor's New Groove and how it was going to be a whole serious film, and then they changed angles and it went a totally different way. <laughs> so, I will say, if, if it was done in 2D, it would have just looked like a sort of looks just like another Cinderella movie or something. Well, to be fair, even in 3D, it's still kind of. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the argument of 
you know, the, the Frog Princess, it's like, we tried the same thing we've done a million times before and it didn't work this time. Why? <laughs> well... <laughs> anyway. So, now it's time for the news with Ben. Um, <laughs> unless Frank has anything you want to chime in on that one? That was all I had. Okay. Well, yeah. Frank? Uh, Did well, he have any opinions on the last article I did, by the way? I tuned in late. I have uh, no idea what you were talking about, remember? If you ever listen back on the show... <laughs> I can't finish out of the screen face. Frank's not going to listen back on this one. So anyway, so tying <laughs> back into... now. Well, a nice seg segue, though, because Frank was talking about Disney. Uh, Annecy Festival screens world premiere of new Disney short, Inner Workings. So, director Leo Matsuda and producer Sean Lurie delight crowd with amusing notes about the, the making of their new Disney short. So, you know, this, this is a 6 minute 23 second short captures the zany collision between a man's logical, pragmatic side and his free-spirited, fun-loving uh, fun loving side. So, set for release uh, fronting Mona this coming November 23rd, Inner Workings blends CG and traditional hand-drawn animation in its exploration of how to find a balance in life. Yeah. Let's see. According to Matsuda, who, who is of Japanese-Brazilian descent, the film mirrors his own life in many ways. As a child of the 80s who grew up without the internet, Matsuda's family got a new copy of the Encyclopedia Britannica every year. He loved these books, especially the sections depicting layers of the human body. I have the Japanese side of me. It's very disciplined and logical, he says. And I also have the Brazilian side, which loves carnival and parties. It's like there's a civil war going on in my body. So he's Brazanese? See, I, I was going to say he, he sounds like he's Mr. Spock. He's got the human and Vulcan, and they're duking it out. So, but yeah, it, it looks interesting. I mean, blending 2D and 3D stuff sounds like it's going to be cool. And uh, you got those organs have faces. That's just weird. The brain is just like, eh. Yeah. And the heart's like, me. And I, I know those are hands on the lungs, but it looks like for a second they gave the lungs boobs. And I'm a little concerned. I, uh... I don't know. And then he's that, that, he's li like, that yeah, li liver is just boobs. like whatever. Boobs. <laughs> I don't know. So, what are, what are your thoughts on the shorts, Frank? I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, all right. How about you, Ian? Uh, I guess that's cool. I do the anything other than these. Weird layers or well, I mean, they they premiered it, so it's not on YouTube yet. So there's just that's what's in the article. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it's like how you know before every other Disney thing, or you know, just like before the Pixar films, you'd get those shorts. You know, and this is before uh, Inside Out, you had that lava short that was pretty cool. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, cool. All right. Uh, next Sorry. one. Cool story. Alright. How about, uh, Henson appoints new licensing partners for 30th anniversary of Labyrinth. So the Jim Henson Company appoints new licensing partners to support this year's 30th anniversary celebration of Labyrinth with multiple products to hit retail this fall, plus new Blu-ray and limited theatrical run of new 4K film. So, 
advance of license. Nobody gave a shit until Bowie died. Now that's not true because I've known people that have been hardcore Labyrinth fans since back in the day. I, I my first girlfriend, I bought her the Labyrinth soundtrack on on. I only managed to find it on cassette, but she listened to it all the time because she's like, "Oh, I love this soundtrack. I wish I had a copy." I was like, "Well, I found it on cassette. Oh, give it to me." You know, it's one of those things like Dark Crystal or Black Cauldron that if the people who find it, they're like, "This is my thing." Nobody liked this when it came out. It's my thing now. <laughs> Although Bowie had most years. a lot of people's sexual awakening, Bowie in the uh, you know what I'm saying, Frank? Oh, you were saying something? <laughs> uh, new, new apparel partners include Trademark Products in the UK and Zen Monkey Studios in the US. Funko joins the roster of partners to create stylized figures. The, these latest partners join an existing lineup of top licensees for Labyrinth that include Truffle Shuffle for apparel, ceramic bags, and prints in the UK. River Horse for board games in the U.S., Canada, and select territories within Europe and Asia-Pacific. Card Corporation for debit cards in the U.S. And, and Canada. Toy Vault for plush novelty and games in the U.S. Boom Entertainment for worldwide publishing. Trevco for apparel, bedding, and home in the U.S. Ripple Junction for apparel. Posters and pins for in the U.S., Canada, and U.K. And Inside Editions for publishing in the U.S. Additionally, retail partners on board supporting the Labyrinth brand include Hot Topic, Art.com, 7x6.com, and Zulily. So, <laughs> be on the lookout for a lot of Labyrinth merch coming up, Frank. I don't give a fuck. What? Oh, weren't you, weren't you in the Labyrinth, Frank? I don't give a fuck. Oh, Frank, Frank don't give a damn, I, huh? I really don't either. I'm just, I'm just trying to help. David Bowie had a shitty wig, yeah, and there, <laughs> there were puppets. What, what else was there? They were, they were puppets. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's deep and meaningful to somebody, but it's yeah. not. It's not the never-ending story. I knew people that cried when Trey, who was fucking something, whatever, the goddamn. Uh, oh. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right. Well, it's definitely not as interesting. I'm sure. As All right. Well, let's well, let, watching the paint dry on his pinstriping. That's like the only thing he knows about Frank. <laughs> and I don't give a fuck. All right. Well, how about how about this thing that is for you, Frank? Uh, LA Deckel tap to guide MST3K licensing worldwide. So. Sal I Love LLC, in partnership with Shout Factory and series creator Joel Hodgson, has hired on former Saban Brands President Ellie Deckel as strategic brand advisor and worldwide consumer products licensing agent for icon entertainment brand Mystery Science Theater 3000. Deckel will guide the branding, licensing, and expansion of the long-running cult-hit TV series. Mystery Science Theater 3000 is one of those rare entertainment brands that, that has consistently grown its audience over more than 25 years through smart comedy, creative innovation, and a sincerely devoted fan community. Said Deckel, now that legion of ma of passion misties has of passionate misties has branded together to bring MST3K back to life with the largest film and television crowdfunding campaign ever. The result is an all new 11th season coming soon to a massive and highly devoted audience. So, I really give a fuck. What? I really give a fuck. Yeah. So, 
How does this affect the future of Amos? Well, much here. much like with the uh, the labyrinth, not too distant future. See, well, this is they've tapped uh, Ellie Deckel, if I'm saying her name correctly, to guide their licensing worldwide. So just like how they're getting rid, the Henson Corporation or Jim Henson Corporate, whatever they, their name is. However, they're getting ready to do the anniversary celebration for Labyrinth for all the stuff that MST3K is coming out and producing new stuff. They're doing, you know, like when, when the show comes out, there's going to be all kinds of merchandise and deals and stuff and... Shit everywhere. Yeah, and Frank's going to buy it all and this woman's going to be I want it all. Just shut up and take my money. Well, can and you I... imagine the Funko Pop figures of Crow and... And Servo and Mike. <laughs> Don't forget Bob. Gypsy. And Bobo. Frank, why aren't you such a mer uh, merch whore, anyways? Things I like, I want to support them. Oh, yeah. That's the reason, I'm sure. That'll do it. That'll do, Frank. Then I like to look around and see crap I like. Well, I don't. I don't know, Ian. What are your What are your thoughts on both these stories? I mean, since you you're not crazy about either properties. So you you excited you excited for all the merch that's going to drop at Hot Topic for uh, Labyrinth and uh, all all the stuff that's going to be in your face. I mean, it's the company from Saban Brands. They're, the former president there is going to be in charge of the MST3K marketing across worldwide. Mm. I'm not a big uh, merchandise guy. Like, I don't know. Like t-shirts and stuff. I d I usually don't wear. Get like a lot of t-shirts with like thing. You know, oh, like I do. Brands and stuff on them. Yeah, I, I know you do. Where, who got you that shirt, Frank? <clears throat> well, I got this straight from Tommy Pickles. No, you got it from your awesome brother. Who you, you said, give me that! Okay. Tommy Pickles is not my brother. Well, no, Dill. I'm your brother. Anyway. Alright, well, I guess we, we've we squeezed the blood out of that new story, Stone. How about... Hey, yes. I saw this, and I, I, I thought you might enjoy it. <sighs> what What is... Whenever Frank says, I thought you might like it, I had to sit and go, oh, oh Zen Pencils. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Dynamites. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, Frank, uh, that's the imager link of it. Uh, this is a comic from ZenPencils.com, I believe, where his thing is about taking about his whole thing is t taking motivational quotes and applying them to his comics, but. There's the Go argument on. that his argument is like a, a lot of the criticism of his comics has been basically like you know t take on the haters. He's like, oh, if, if uh, Shigeru Miyamoto had, had listened to the such and such, and then keep scrolling like, in. Yeah. Yeah, it's yes, uh, sir. I don't know it. Zen pencils. It's a. It's. I don't know it. If it, if it, if you like it, good. If not, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of criticisms of it. So, but anyway, but that's accurate. 
Anyway, uh, anyway. So, so so the story I was going to get into, um, I, sh I showed this link to Frank and Ian before the show because it ha it has a YouTube video, and since we can't show those during the show, yeah. Uh, but the title should explain if you want to watch it. I'll have it in the link in the show. But it says when VFX artists get their hands on Donald Trump, magic happens. So. This mixed-media faux, faux Japanese commercial directed by internet video maker Mike Diva helps make this dreadful election season slightly more bearable. So... Oh, man. So they Don't make, play they, a video, Ian. They basically... Uh, they, they basically turn the... I'm uh, just going to... I'm going to just go to uh, certain Basically, parts, but... it's, it's sort of like... You remember the, the Simpsons' Mr. Sparkle commercials? Mr. That was in like the '90s. I imagine what those look like today. But then you throw in like you know Don uh, Donald Trump Mecca. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's it. Goes it goes really crazy. So if you like insane videos, like like I don't know, it kind of reminds me of Jib Jab videos from back during the '08 election a little bit. It's interesting. So I thought I would share that. Uh, I like how he's like, do I have to get another browser up and try and do these things together? Yeah. <laughs> but don't worry about it. I'll include a link to the video for people listening at home to go and check it out. This is why you should check out the blog. It's very useful. So, um, I've got another article here that's got it's basically two articles about the same story where uh, Ardman Animations, you know, is uh, are celebrating 40 years. I believe it's 40. And um, they gave, let's see, a few studios around the world are beloved as Ardman Animations, UK stop motion claymation studio behind such hits as Creature Comforts, Wallace and Gromit, Chicken Run, and last year's hit Sean the Sheep movie. So it's no surprise to see the studio celebrated on the occasion of its 40th anniversary at Annecy with Ardman co-founders Peter Lord and David Sproxton now delivering a keynote address and speaking with press about their company and its long history. I know uh, Cartoon Brew posted on their Instagram a video of, of uh, Lord and Sproxton talking about, you know, Ardman and... Uh, we like being independent. We're not in it for the money. Armin co-founder Pierre Lord, Lord above right, told Cartoon Brew at the Annecy International Film Festival. So, you know, it, it's interesting. They talk about like how their journey into going their particular way and deal, you know, the dealings they've had and and how they've stuck, you know, stood out in the industry and what choices they've made of staying. You know, when they when they've done films with other studios, but they're still. Ardman, you know, they're still their own thing, they're kind of in charge of it, they haven't been, you know. What, what, are, your, what are your thoughts, Ian, on an on anniversary, on 40 years of making films the way they want? Sure, why not? That's my, that's my deep insights. How about you, Frank? Um, I agree with Ian. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you guys don't want to talk about Ardman at all, do you? I don't Not know big Walsing Gromit fans? 
or Pirates fans, or Chicken Run fans, or... Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well, I guess Are we'll move the on to the... Frank? <laughs> what? Are I'm confused. My opinion is... Eh. I think... Meh. Alright, well, I'll move on to... I've got two more stories and I'll be done. Uh, oh, shit. Warner Animation sets Smallfoot for spring 2018. So, Warner Animation Group announced at the Annecy Festival on Tuesday that Warner Brothers has set a release window of spring 2008 for the group's original animated feature, Smallfoot. The news was revealed by producer Brad Lewis during the unve unveiling of seven sequences from Storks, WAG's second feature release and first original concept, coming to theaters September 23rd. Smallfoot is a fresh take on the cryptozoological Yeti myth, centered on a Yeti who is convinced that the elusive creature known as humans really do exist. The film is based on an original pitch from Sergio Pablos, Despicable Me, who is set to direct John Riqua and not Glenn Ficaras, a crazy, stupid love, cats and dogs, serves as writer, serve as writers on the project. The character design and most of the story reel will be created at Pablo's SPA Studios in Madrid before moving into animation production at one of WB's partner studios. So, Smallfoot. Yeah, we can't really get into... Hey, there might be a cartoon coming out. It doesn't really do it for us, Ben. We, we kind of got to see stuff. Does that lady have... Is that pockets in her dress or something? They could have been seen pockets. <laughs> never seen that before. <laughs> never, never seen a dress with pockets. Either. I think no. that's what women have purses usually. No, I, I, I have a, <clears throat> I have a friend who posted a, a new uh, dr custom-made dress she got, and she's like, I love the inseam pockets. Hmm. What makes you think I don't want to carry shit, sexist? <laughs> okay, well, all right then. I guess if you don't have any opinions about that. I guess my last story is Pete's Dragon Trailer is a modern flight of fancy. So, Disney has released a new trailer for its update on classic hybrid kids flick Pete's Dragon, landing in theaters August 12th. The spot sets up the story of Pete, a semi-feral child found living in the woods. But Pete wasn't as alone in the wild as he seemed, and the trailer offers a glimpse of the furry green dragon who happens to be the boy's best friend and some of the creature's magical abilities. So, I've already, I already watched this one, and I showed it to Frank. I don't know if he watched it. No, because remember, I, I had restarted it by the time I came back. I, I had to, you know, we were doing the show, so... I thought, I thought your computer, like, instantly restarts, Frank. <laughs> Wasn't that one of the benefits of... No, I had to restart the modem, so I had to go downstairs, flip it off, wait ten seconds, turn it back on. <clears throat> Peanut. Maybe I'll change my name to Peanut Head. Anyway. I'm watching the trailer. So, are you guys familiar with the original nope. Pete's Dragon? Hell no. Hell no. How, how about you, Ian? Nope. Are you, you familiar with uh, Pete's Dragon? No, I'm not. Well, it was one of those. I even never heard of Pete's Dragon before. 
Okay, Pete's Dragon is a, is a 1960s Disney movie. It was one of those hybrid movies where the, the family and the boy and all that, they're real, and then the dragon is, is animated. It was a 2D animated dragon. And for this one, they're, they're doing it with a CG. And the story of, the, basically, of the boy in Pete's Dragon is that he's lost, and he has this, like, imaginary friend dragon who's kind of... Like, I think part of the story was that of... It was kind of like Snuffleupagus of, is he real or is it, you know... You, I don't know. With this one, though, they're very definitively, sent, you know, showing it's more like a where the wild things are kind of thing, or, you know, where... Where it's like the, this boy was left to be, you know, jungle booked for like six years in the woods, and he had this magical dragon. And it's like, was this dragon there to protect him for because it was magic, or was it there because he, you know, it, because the little boy imagined him there, or you know, what's what's the deal, yo? Yeah. So. I mean, the trailer, it kind of looks a little bit like, you know... So the dragon's furry? Yeah. That's another thing I saw. I was like, huh, a furry dragon. I gotta say, I haven't seen one of those. I mean, I've seen... I've seen, uh, scaly dragons. I think I've seen wet kind of... lizardly kind of dragons, but it's like... Furry? That's more of a where the wild things are kind of thing. Or like, uh, from... You know, uh, Monsters, Inc. Kind of like a... Uh, Sully. So something like that. I like that. Actually, it's interesting. what's funny is while we were on our way to work this morning, our uh, local radio show. <coughs> well, yeah, local radio show. We listened to. Uh, they they have a they usually have a comedian on site who's uh, going to be at the funny bump the weekend, right? Mm hmm. So this weekend, their special guest was uh, Piff the Magic Dragon. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. His assistant is adorable. Oh. So, anyway. Uh, well, what are your thoughts, Ian, as the big CG guy? You know, give your opinions on that, that dragon and how it looks. In the, uh... There's so much to talk about it. About this uh, model here with the fur on it. Mm -hmm. I have some deep insights I want to talk about here. Go for well, it, Caleb. I mean, I did try and link you to the video before the show, and it's like, I'm trying to talk to you guys. I can't watch a thing and talk to you. <laughs> no, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it looks cool. I, I just I don't understand like what's new about the technology of um, like live action and CD, I guess. It does. Is it all have to be the new? I mean, it's. I was just asking for your take. If it looks like it, it's the next food fight, or if it looks like eh, it's, it'll pass, or does it look interesting? Would you see this movie, or do you think it's you know would be too family friendly and it's not interesting? I mean, compare this to the original one. The original Peace Dragon was very much a you know a family kind of film. Is this this is more... like that damn cartoon with the rabbits killing each other all savagely. And shit? <laughs> no, well, no, no. The, that's the that's an alter that's a flip situation because the original Watership Down cartoon was very graphic and the new one is going to be more about politics. So the politics yeah, of the rabbit in the drama. So it, was, it looks like something Disney would do, you know. 
I don't know. I'm. I mean, I think they've been kind of hit or miss with these remakes of, you know, their old, older properties. But when you have it's either that or we'll make you know new versions of you know based on the rides that we had Tomorrowland. <laughs> It's like, hey, remember Pirates of the Caribbean? You like that one, right? Uh... <laughs> oh, well. It looks like it'll be pretty cool. I mean, I say why not do it, but... It's got the guy who played uh, Scotty on uh, the new Star Trek. He was also, you know, Dread. He's mm -hmm. in it. And it's got uh, Forrest Whitaker, I believe. Huh. So. Forrest Whitaker. There you go. Can't say dragon over the radio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh come on, it's well. All right, I well mean, I guess that's that's the news for this week. Nice. So, is it time now for some trivia? Yeah, let's about. And Frank say he's gonna come back to something. No. No. Frank's like, I just want to go home and see my family. You have any more opinions about the quadruple monitor? It's one monitor. It's a quadruple monitor. It's one monitor that does four images that looks like this. Okay, how big is your monitor, Ian? It's just a 24-inch. Okay, but could you go down 4 inches? Well, seeing as how I did 4K on a 24-inch monitor, my uh, the text on it would probably be less than like 1.5. <laughs> so would you still go down to a 20-inch? Or four of those bad boys? No, uh, if I divided a 24 <clears throat> inch, it'd be like 12 inches each. Yeah, I can't. No, no. 20 20 inch monitor is too little. I can't. I can't do it. Wasn't that like huge back in the day for us? Uh, yeah, my 17 inch was on my Dell. That served me up until I got my iMac, and that was bigger just because I could do bigger. Yeah. Well, a lot of things used to be bigger back in you know the big for the time like. Uh, I was, I was watching a, a, a live stream recently, and somebody brought up the new Star Wars movie, uh, The Force Awakens, was filmed on film instead of high definition. And then they, re I brought up, well, you remember the prequels? They were all filmed at 1080. So when the DVD, when the Blu-ray comes out, you get a 1080 version, but there's no 4K because all they can do is upres it. <laughs> it was all, all right. filmed. Just back in the day, it's like 15 inch was pretty standard for like screen sizes, and that was not. It just keeps getting larger and larger. So like, I mean, I don't know, 43 well, inches is pretty big, <laughs> or 20. I mean, 20 inches is not. How big was a hey, Frank? How big size. was a uh, Kevin Smith's TV? 100 and something inches. Uh, like 150 inch, I think. I don't think it was that big. No, I think it was like that. No. Well, maybe 130-something. Hold on. But... No, no, no. Hold on. It was like 110. Hold on. Kevin Smith. He said, 
Yeah. He says Aaron it takes Rose. up like the whole wall. And as I know, did you hear that they're they are gonna be doing this four sixties and four seventies for the A and B cards? Well I think we talked about that on the show once. Well they we talked about the four eighty came out. But and the four sixties and four seventies well, are coming Yeah, the four seventies gonna come out but it's not gonna be as good as the ten eighty obviously. It'll be, it'll just be the budget okay. you know, slightly cheaper version. Well, anyway, I guess it's time for uh, trivia. Time for me to trivia. down with you, you plebs, and uh, show you how awesome I am. <laughs> I'm kidding, guys. I'm looking forward to having uh, having a challenge of the wits. By the way, speaking of clubs, the year Frank Nate's going to a rave tonight, man. <laughs> oh God! He's gonna take E and die. He's gonna what? He's gonna take E and die. Okay. Ecstasy. People take it in raves uh, and they, they die. No, the uh, kids call it Molly now, Frank. No. Molly. Yeah, it's a Molly. Alright, so Molly. Let's, let's play the theme song to trivia. It just looked like your shoulder was going up and down. Oh, so I was doing the uh, what, what was that from Zach and Mary Frank? The the udder, I mean the rudder. Dutch rudder, double yeah. Dutch rudder. Yeah, that's where you grab yours and I grab mine. See now, kind of. All right, so what's the topic? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? This is like getting in the car with my dad, and he wants to go out and eat, and I say, where are you going to go? I don't know. I don't know. Where do you want to go? Uh, how about McDonald's? No, I want to go there. Okay, how, uh, how about Taco Bell? No, I went there last week. Man, pick a place. Well, i got to pick a place. Well, if you don't, we'll just be driving till we run out of gas. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think what was in an article. Hmm. Why, do you want to do think, some, uh, boy. some Pete's Dragon trivia? No. No. Alright, fine. Pick one. Frank likes, he likes, was liking the educational ones. Weren't you, Frank? Yeah. Well, we can't go and divide up like multiple topics for one, one trivia because we already have to have two tabs open. So, pick a, pick a t an educational topic you like, and we'll go all out in it. Okay. Um, science. We blinded him with science. Uh, from my hand, from my hand. Nice. Why don't people understand my intentions? Hey Frank, who, who was who was the lead singer of Oingo Boingo? Danny Elton. 
Did you see? I was Daphne actually humming that. Huh? Did you see Daphne humming? Danny. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are. That's I right. Was I was humming Dead Man's Party all day, actually. Oh, man. When a problem comes along, you must live it. You know, Danny Elfman and Mark Mothersbaugh, both they have successful careers on their own, but then they also have the whole movie, you know, and, and TV soundtrack thing, man. It's crazy. With their band and with their... You alright there, Frank? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm fucked too. You're something we can't show on TV? Awesome. So we see we don't got a, a quiz here? I thought we were doing a science quiz, yeah. Well, this is technology and computers. Artificial intelligence. That's not the best thing. That's okay with you guys? The first thing? Alright. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Uh, Frank actually does secretly on the inside. I'm dead on the inside. Oh, Frank, that sounds like you're going to work at Hot Topic. Yeah. You know, I was telling my wife because we we got the outlet mall actually open up down like not down the road from us, but on our way to work before we get on the highway. And in the outlet mall, they're going to have a Hot Topic, so it's closer than Mansfield or whatever. Uh, I was like, I like Hot Topic because they sell a bunch of the crap I like. But it's like going into a fucking Claire's with like sixteen-year-olds. It's just—it's <sighs> like basically the mall. Then it's like there's—you occasionally might find a thing you want there, but they haven't any ants, so I'm gonna be getting some pretzels. It's like you go there; it's full. The mall is a place. It's like a time machine because you go into it, and it's suddenly it's like there's only like fifteen-year-olds there, and you're just like, wow, there is. Very little I want. I just get into the store to get the one thing. Like, <laughs> okay, are we ready, Ian? Yeah. All right. Which man is credited with coining the term artificial intelligence in 1955 and is considered one of the early pioneers in the field? Perhaps he he was a relative of Tail Gunner Joe. Is it Alan Turing, Isaac Asimov, John McCarthy, or L. Ron Hubbard? Ian. Isaac Asimov. <clears throat> I was also going to go with Isaac Asimov. Asimov. Just could. Oh, you got both. Of you guys saw uh, I Robot, huh? <laughs> no, I read his books. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I go bullshit on that. Caves of Caves of Steel. Fucking. Even his weird ass uh, short stories that came out in magazines in between his books. Uh, 
the Caves of Steel series uh, uh, actually was one of my favorites uh, because he wrote two, and then the third one he wrote 25 years later, and I didn't know that until after I read them, and they seemed the exact same. It seemed like he wrote it the very next day, not 25 years later. So suck what, it. What were they about, though? Were they oh. just like... Okay, and the main storyline is at one point <clears throat> the people in the uh, of Earth went off to space to live, but there were still people on Earth, and uh, they became two different forms of people to where they uh, thought they were like a different race, and uh, they've got they've got uh, uh, robots, and they they're so germaphobic because they live a lot longer than Earthbound people. Uh, the other planets, they live for several hundred years, but they're so germaphobic that they only have their robots with them. They don't touch other people. They, like, basically Skype with each other, and that's it. They, like, fear contact, and they were dying out and shit. And, so uh, Wally crossed with Elysium. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's a lot better than the shit that's actually been turned into movies. I'll say that. I, can't, <clears throat> I just can't believe Frank reads books. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> well, you guys just make out already. Everyone's waiting. But no, uh, the Caves of Steel series is really good. Uh, it basically, uh, it's, uh, yeah. Next you'll be telling me you read Joel's Vern. Never got into Vern. Okay, I read a little Tom Wayne as a kid, but that was about it. Alright, so... Isaac Asimov, and the answer. John McCarthy. John McCarthy. Oh God, that's that's loud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gunner, so he says tail gunner <laughs> Joe. So it was all reference to Joe McCarthy. And How would you like a foot up your ass? It's the American way. But you had to have a boot first. I didn't say anything about boot. I said foot. <laughs> All right. So, next question. Which Hanover, New Hampshire, Ivy League University held the first artificial intelligence conference in 1956? Dartmouth, Harvard, Stanford, Yale. This would be me, huh? Mm. I'm going to go with Yale. I'll say Dartmouth. Watch it be Stanford. It was Dartmouth. Dartmouth. You guys got that one. Congratulations. Merry Christmas to you. Which U.S. government department was a major early funder of artificial intelligence research for its own ulterior motives? Department of Defense, Department of the Interior, National Air and Space Administration, or Department of Commerce? Frank, this one's yours. Uh, Interior? Ian? DOD? Yeah, I was going to say Department of Defense. Because... They make all those crazy spider-walking robots and shit now. <laughs> well, I mean, 
ulterior motives, I mean, you'd you think the defense they want to put a gun on it and you know yeah. send it out into battle. I mean, you'd you'd think you'd want to think it was NASA, but it's like they're not gonna send a robust space doesn't matter artificial no. They're the, the they're answer the is. people. So it's yeah, Department of Defense. Go ahead. The answer is Ian. And I got that one. Yep. It only took 50 years. Yep. Alright. What was the... Tr what was the trembling name of the first general-purpose mobile robot that employed AI and was developed by the Artificial Intelligence Center of Stanford Research Institute in the late 1960s? Puma. Intimate. Shaky the Robot or Nervous Nelly? In? Puma? Shaky the robot. Shaky just, that just sounds too, too, like, come on, you're going to think this one because I said trembling, eh? eh I'm, I'm going to go with Nervous Nelly. I'm going to say uh, Unimate. So you're going there with Snelly, then? Yeah. And the answer? Shaky nah. the robot. Shaky the robot! That's like Shaky's pizza. It's one of those things you have trouble really believing exists. Alright. One of the early artificial intelligence programming languages was one that sounds like it might have a speech impediment. Which language is this? Stutter programming language. Lisp programming language. Fortran programming language. Lytix programming language. And this would be me, huh? Uh, yeah. I'm gonna say stutter. I'm gonna say lift. Shaky. Never did it. I forgot to click next, so we gotta wait for that. <laughs> oh. That was Lisp. Lisp. Got one. Frank got one. I got that one. Yeah. Fuck y'all. I got that one. Okay. Deep Blue was the first computer to beat a reigning world world chess champion. Which Russian did Deep Blue beat in May 1997? Bobby Fischer, Veselina Topolov, Boris Spassky, or Gary Kas Kasparov? Franklin? I'm gonna say Gary. You didn't see Searching for Bobby Fischer? No? Okay. 
I remember we did this question on a, on a trivia a long time back, but I can't exactly remember the answer. I'm going to go with Vessel and to uh, Topolov. Okay, and Frank went with this one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Gary, Frank got that one. <laughs> <laughs> Watson was the natural outgrowth of the success of Deep Blue in the realm of chess, but this time the realm was the TV trivia game show Jeopardy. Which Jeopardy! champion's string of 74 wins inspired IBM executives to seek to develop a computer program that could beat him, a feat Watson accomplished in 2011? Is it Thomas J. Watson, Art Fleming, Ken Jennings, or John Carpenter? Ian? Ken Jennings. Yeah, I was going to say Ken Jennings. And the answer... Are you now? Ken, Jennings. Ken Jennings. This was in all of our lifetime, I think. Yeah. Oh, hey. You, you know uh, Arthur C. Clarke? Um, I think uh, he, he's the one who wrote uh, uh, Space Odyssey, right? Yeah, I think so. Why? Okay, you you know why Hal was called Hal? Why? Out recently, it was one step ahead of IBM. So each letter, it's one letter higher. So H I B A. Sit down, play your Game Boy. Okay, the defense. Uh, Ian thinks I don't read. I want to show that motherfucker I read. <laughs> You were com you complain that we take forever to get to a question, but then you hold the quiz up. The defense I read. the defense advanced research projects agency DARPA has sponsored challenges starting in twenty two thousand fourteen up to two thousand oh four for teams for teams to autonomous ground vehicles that can navigate a course on their own. Three of the four listed below have been or are focused focused of these challenges or focuses of these challenges which one is incorrect off-road humanoid robotics urban environment waterborne this one's mine huh well, apparently Frank's not the one that doesn't read <laughs> what was that Arkansas <laughs> oh, that's okay. right okay I love that Bill Clinton came from Arkansas. That's what they call a burn, kids. <laughs> All Put right. some ice on that burn. Oh. Okay, so... A damn question. Which one is incorrect? Um, I'm going to say humanoid robotics. I'm going to say waterborne. Oh wait, autonomous ground vehicles. I just realized that. <laughs> yeah. I'm on medication for a migraine, guys. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, I know what I'm saying. The other half is I have to put up with you guys. 
I'm in the fucking That's what you lead. call a burn, kids. I'm in the fucking lead. But yeah, the answer is waterborne, yeah. Alright. Computer games employ a form of artificial intelligence that mimics human decision-making capabilities. What is the name of these skillful systems? <laughs> Logic systems, equalization systems, empirical systems, or expert systems? Franklin? I'd say logic systems. Ian? I'll say logic as well. I will also say logic. Cue the music again. We're sued. Look at all those monitors in that picture, man. Oh yeah, yeah, man. More than the picture you you show me, Frank. They're probably they're probably all CRTs too. Hey, each one loaded up with a different porn bookmark. Uh, ex expert systems. That's lame. All right, last one. One of the biggest problems still facing artificial intelligence researchers is the human ability to think and reason intuitively because this cannot yet be duplicated in, in a computer environment. True or false? Whose turn is it? I did the last um, one. I think it's my it's mine. Okay, Ian, go I'm ahead. Say, I'll say true, sure. Okay. I'll say true. True that. Right. Say false. I'm gonna be rebel. Okay. Rebel, rebel. It was true. Yeah, we're not reading an answer. Okay, so we got five more of another. Yeah. Right. Let's let's go with. Uh, let's do an Asimov test. Asimov. Yeah, look up Asimov. Come on. The That's internet and computers now. It takes that I'll fucking read. I read. Oh, lady likes to be wooed. How would you know? I read. <laughs> what was that from? That's George Takei. That's George Takei. Oh my. <laughs> ah, you're in luck, Frank. And it's tough. We should have just done that one. It's tough. Hang on, tough. Tough enough. That's not and the that's same song. Don't um, be dumb. You gotta be tough. What was Isaac Asimov's first published novel? Pebble in the Sky, The Stars, Like Dust, Foundation, The Caves of Steel. And this is probably mine, right? Because Ian went first last time. Yeah. I'm gonna say The Stars Like Dust. Uh, pebble in the sky. The Foundation series actually crossed into the uh, Caves of Steel series later too. He he did that later without, like, it was kind of crazy. Go ahead. Uh, I'll, I'll go with the pebble in the sky. With diamonds, dude. <laughs> Okay. 
I already I answered first, Ian. Oh, what did you? I said the stars like dust. Oh. Uh, okay. Um, oh, he said words. Pebble in the sky. Pebble in the sky. I know words. I have the best words. That's Apparently an actual not. quote from Donald Trump. Yeah. Not good. Not good. So, I went with Frank, so me and Frank got that one then? Yeah. You guys yeah. are are just neck and neck on this one, aren't you? Yeah. Alright. He thinks I don't fucking read. How many books did Asimov write in the Foundation series? Six, eight, five, or seven? Franklin? Um. Oh, you said you read. Well, I, yeah, but I don't count. I'm bad at math. Um. Seven. I'm gonna say eight. Well, see, he he wrote some, and then his widow had somebody else write some shit after his death. I think I can't fucking remember. I'm gonna say eight. Ian. I'm going with seven. Okay, Nate. <laughs> I'm playing my price of right. I didn't know what you picked for real. Uh huh. Uh huh. I thought you said six, actually. No, he said seven. Uh, okay. Seven. I know it's seven. <laughs> Which is also our score right now, Ian. Yep. That's ironic. It's All right. Which robot novel does Claudia... No, 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 no. Skip one. Wow. Which company has Asimov... Help. It's up there. No, up that's not down. In. Up in. Good boy. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Which company has Asimov published the most books with? Walker, Gnome Press, Doubleday, Hutton Mifflin. Well, wait a minute. Frank said skip one. Why did... Why said did I did one? skip one, so I went back to it. Yeah. You go backwards when you find out you skipped one, Ian. Uh, so I'm gonna say the. Well, this is Ian's Frank. Oh, I'm gonna say it's Ian's turn. So go ahead, Ian. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna say Walker. Ben. I'm going to say Hewton Mifflin. So am I. Uh, Double Day. Double Day. Yeah. For his first 200 books. Only his first 200. I guess Frank doesn't read after all. Which no, robot, I don't read which publisher. Which robot novel does Claudia not appear in? The Naked Sun. The Caves of Steel. The Robots of Dawn. Robots and Empire. This will be me, huh? Robots in Empire? I'm gonna go with the Caves of Steel. Robots in Empire because it was 500 years later. So robots can't live 500 years? She's not a robot. She's not a robot? No, she's one of the spacers. She's one of the spacers? Answer. What? Oh, 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 oh. Caves uh, of Steel. Yeah. Ian got that one. Um, I can't Caves of Steel. Beating. Thighs of Thunder. 
I can't believe I'm beating Frank at oh, that's the right. writer that he supposedly reads. That's right. She was a... Uh... You read. You got one answer right. That's all that counts, baby. So now... She... They were at Earth in that book. I forgot. They don't. All right. They don't meet her until she goes up. They go up into space. Sorry. Well, this last one will decide it. So, this author. I mean, this author novelized one of Asimov's short stories: Robert Silverberg, Harlan Ellison, David Brin, or Martin Harry Greenberg. And this would be Frank's, I believe. Yep. Dude, this isn't really a fucking Asimov question. Who the hell ripped off one of his books? Um. Who expounded upon it, Frank? <laughs> Who plagiarized? Um, Greenberg? I'm going to say Harlan Ellison. Um, let's make it interesting. I'm going to go with Robert Silverberg. And it was Robert Silverberg. Robert Silverberg. So, the winner by two points. And extra Some questions that don't fucking matter. And extra nerdy because it's all about Isaac Asimov is oh, Ian. You, oh, you see, it did matter to you, Frank. So now you're trying to prove me wrong. Now we cut to Ian's camera for his victory speech. 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 Victory speech. Congratulations, Mr. Adams. You. You have, now he needs to learn how to read. You you have bested my brother on on being a nerd and a series of books that you didn't think he read, and that you have only seen one movie of. Yeah, um, I, don't, I don't need Wilson. to read those books if I know, know more than the person that actually does read them. They're good books, goddammit. <laughs> the good book, Frank, is a different series entirely. Before the Foundation series, and he combined them. So... Congratulations, Ian. It's pro it's been a while since uh, you've won. When was the last time it's you won? It's a copy of our home game. <laughs> well, this well, is a I, podcast. You can go home and play this all he wants. Well, actually, it, it I don't know. It, it might have been like a month or so. I remember I was on a winning streak there for a little bit. I was winning, I won like three. Well, we need to bring Nate road. and Doug on, and then then we'll have some serious yeah. contend contenders for the throne. Yeah, too bad it wasn't the title match. Oh, you didn't hear, you weren't paying attention. I said this is definitely going to be a title match. Honestly. No, no, no. It can't be a title match without the other belt holders. Oh, you oh, yeah. guys. You got to defend your belt, goddammit. Now, unfortunately, Doug's not on this one because he's working till another another 15 minutes, so I'm sure he'll come on right after we get off the air. So, you guys, what you doing? <laughs> hey, hey, you bring more Isaac Asimov questions, and I'll, I'll beat your ass. You bring me. some a Asimov, I'll bring some some uh, Philip K. Dick, and we will sit, we will have an Oprah's book club. Bring a knife, yeah. that's the Chicago way. And then, you bring a Kindle, and I'll bring an iPhone, because I'm just going to sit and play Angry Birds while I listen to you. So, What else have you read that I could beat you at, Frank? Actually, you would probably really like the, uh, what the hell's the name of that series? The, uh, Red Shoe Diaries? Actually, no, uh, he would probably well. <laughs> he probably really like Ready Player One. Isn't that the one Steve, mm. uh, Steven Spielberg's making a movie out of? It, and it's adorable because the guy was a huge fan and recently posed with pictures of DeLorean and shit because he's Back to the Future and nerd and all that. 
Uh, yeah, you would like that. Uh, do you like any uh, uh, Neil Stevenson? Sure. Do, do you know who that is? Sure. Then no. <laughs> well. Ow. I'm getting assaulted by Kitty Butt. What? So, just swing what, what? it. What? Like, like, see, she just. Anyway, I believe that's about time for us to to call this one, gentlemen. I'd like to yeah. thank I'd like to thank Ian for delivering the news, manning the trivia board, uh, beat, beating Frank at his own game on it's not my turn. <laughs> uh, I'd like to thank my twin brother Frank for uh, uh, seeing through most of the show. Uh, he did go up and get a drink yeah. at one point, and I'm probably, a, go, probably go pee at some point. I'm gonna uh, thank Ben for only getting three fucking points on this quiz and talking about how <laughs> bad my score is. <sighs> Douchebag. <laughs> hey, look here, Captain Douche Canoe. And yeah, all your my, points were on the random bullshit quiz we took before. You know what? You know what? <laughs> what? My show. And you so. still lost. No, I'm just I just throw you guys a bone every now and again. So anyway, uh-huh. with that all said, we we love each other here on the show. We we uh-huh. riff on each other, but we're we're still friends, right, guys? I'm not your friend. Yeah. I don't even like you. I'm just not drunk, Keith. Hey, I'm the only the one that keeps trying to get us to get together, man. But... All right. Frank, Frank wants his, wants uh, Nate the 3D printer something out for him, but it's, I, I told him he's got to come down and get it. Yeah, and then I said, well, see you next year. <laughs> well, getting Frank to come here for something, you have to tell I him gotta, he left. <laughs> remember I said uh, the one guy who listens to our show sometimes is a, an Xbox fanboy? Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. He's got, I was like, are you going to get the, the, the Xbox One Slim? And the Scorpio, he's like, yeah. I'm like, the fucking Scorpio is like, it's going to be better than your fucking computer that you just built, but, you know, unless you change your GPU. And I'm like, I can afford to do that before next Christmas. Scorpio. Anyway, Scorpio. before this you know, one they goes... were going to call the 360 the uh, 720, but then they found out that they couldn't output at 720. Oh. <laughs> anyway... With all that said, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you on the other side. Boobs. See ya. Shout Ahsoka. productions.com. Follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash no rights. And hey, why don't you check out my Tumblr at norights.tumblr.com. <laughs>